0: We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office equipment solutions North America wide.
1: Yeah, Digitex does
0: that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 chat. All right, it's 1234 in Edmonton, Alberta Premier Jason Kenney coming up at uh, just after 1 o'clock today with immediate availability, which I believe is about the ongoing flood situation in Fort McMurray. We wish all the people up there with Buffalo uh, the, uh, the our best wishes during these very challenging times, to say the least. Uh, the regular sort of medical update on COVID-19 pandemic will take place at 3.30 today, and uh, 6.30, Chad, uh, we'll have that for you as well. It is, again, 12.35 in Edmonton. Uh, very quickly, just before we go to Brian Lott, and I said, hey, uh, you know, curtis joseph's birthday here uh is he the guy for many of you that got you going back in uh not like 1997 98 on the edmonton oilers this text comes in i agree great growly great personality great performance great nickname in terms of cujo so who was your favorite guy trison says bob doug waite was my favorite from that era but boris Mirnov attending Oilers playoff games with his kids as fans after he was traded makes him legit boss in um My books. Uh Oilers GM says Bob. Cujo was the one. He was spectacular. And the last great Oilers goalie. Tommy Sala was good until uh Comrie (laughs) Whatever, you're wrong. But whatever. And Spector's Belarus changed the fate uh for Tommy Sala. Cujo is up there with Grant Fear and Curtis or uh, uh uh Bill Ranford. Uh well the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, 97-98. You, you beat Patrick Waugh three straight games. When you're down three games to one in a series, you stop 92 out of 93 shots. You uh, win twice in Colorado against the 98 Avalanche. That's goaltending. I mean, he stole that series. for With with all due respect to the other guys on the team, he stopped 92 out of 93 shots against the Colorado Avalanche when they had Sackic, Forsberg, you know, Hayduke, all those other guys and Patrick Wongel, who was pretty good. Brian Lawton joins us right now from the NHL Network. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Bob. How are you? Uh, all things considered, about as good as we can possibly uh, be, uh, we should mention that Brian is the headliner for today's edition of Oilers Now, uh, brought to you by Touchback Safety. Touchback remains open for training and is taking all necessary precautions to ensure the safety of their staff and clients. Uh you know, Brian, just uh, with Curtis Joseph, and he only spent three years here at Edmonton, but the Oilers pulled off two playoff upsets in the opening round of playoffs in 1997 against Dallas, where he outdueled Andy Moog, and in 1998 against Patrick Waugh in Colorado. And, I mean, at that time, and Dallas won the Cup in 99, and Colorado had won in 96 and would win again in the uh, early, uh, I'm just trying to think of when Colorado won again. I think it was it '01. 0- one maybe. Uh, Anyhow, I mean, those teams were powerhouse teams, but when you beat Patrick Waugh head-to-head in three straight games and only give up one goal on 93 shots, get two shutouts, speaks volumes in terms of what you're bringing to a hockey club, doesn't it?
1: No, it really does, and Curtis is an interesting guy because obviously he never got a championship, Um, but when you look at him in terms of Hall of Fame, I mean, he's got to be in the top easily top 10 goaltenders when you really break it down, certainly in the modern era. Um, but that's uh, that's uh an interesting one. I look at that stuff once in a while and not in my top five goaltenders ever, I can say that. That's more Hachik, Brodeur, Ruah, Dryden. I always bog down on that fifth guy. You could go a variety of different ways depending on if you look at Vesna's or Stanley Cups or whatever your metric curtis joseph not far behind that group in my opinion
0: yeah it's interesting with patrick why and maybe part of it is just there was so much attitude with him i mean you you couldn't concede how good he was which made it that much more enjoyable being a a guy at that time i was in my early 30s at edmonton watching this unfold with joseph who who you know, anybody that dealt with him will, will, will say he's a really good guy. And Waugh was a very confident man, and there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, it was it was spectacular nonetheless to watch. And he was – so you mentioned something there though that makes sense. I remember when Dick Duff got in the Hockey Hall of Fame and Glenn Anderson didn't. And, you know, the comment was, well, Dick won multiple Stanley Cup champions. I'm like, well, yeah, so did Glenn Anderson. But does the standard <laughs> change over time? Because we're up to, uh, you know, 31 teams in the National Hockey League. It's a lot harder to win in a 31-team NHL than it is to win, in a, with, I, with all due respect to the great players of the past, a six-team NHL.
1: Yeah, th- there's no doubt about that. I mean, I played in a 21-team league, and it was hard to win, eventually a 22-league team. But now at 31, I think we're going to see some changing over time, to be honest with you. I think it's happening already in some respects. Um, but, you know, no doubt about it, Curtis Joseph, for me, I mean, the standard of excellence is there for a guy like that. I mean, he really was remarkable. It's just, you know, a lot of, a lot of being a Hall of Fame player also has to do with the teams you are on. And uh, you could be in the right place or the wrong place for your career. Curtis never never got it done. But you can't say it was because of him you just yeah. can't and that's the
0: way it is well you played against a team that had six hall of famers the 1984 edmonton oilers and yesterday we tweeted it out uh was one of the wildest games in nhl history it was played on a saturday night in minnesota and the Oilers went up to nothing and then dave lumley took a major penalty and the minnesota north Stars uh, scored four goals on the power play in the second period, three on the Lumley major. You got five goals in all, and you're up 5-2. Now you're down 2 nothing in the series. So tell me, was there a feeling of confidence, or was there a feeling like, hey, these are still the Edmonton Oilers and this could slip away, and they could theoretically score six goals on us because they did end up scoring six straight goals. Do you recall that hockey game at all?
1: I, I do, and and to be honest with you, the Edmonton Oilers were a very intimidating group. You know, they, they really had to give you the game, and, and they'd go through periods like that where, you know, the good fortune for our team was because of their poor decisions, a major penalty, you name it. But you, the, uh, the Minnesota North Stars, we deep down as a group, I don't think we ever felt like uh, we knew we were definitively going to beat them. Wow. Not in the playoff series. In any, in any one game, yes. And we yeah. did beat them in the regular season more than once, you know, frequently. But um, they just had that mojo over us. They, they, we were a good team back then. We had a lot of really good offensive players. Um, but we didn't have the closeness that that team grew into. And at the end of the day, that hasn't changed today. You know, you look at the St. Louis Blues last year. They're a very close-knit group. There are other teams just as good as them, certainly the Boston Bruins, who also have a very close-knit group. But ultimately, I feel like that got them over the hump, and I give them a lot of credit for it. So we have all these changes in the game, and things are different. But when you add it all up, there's still similarities from the 80s, 90s, 70s, you name it, in the game of hockey. Some things never change.
0: So what you're saying is you got to be prepared to battle for each other. That's really what you're saying you got to lay it on the line for one another hate- out there.
1: Yeah, you got to have a family atmosphere in your group. You really do. If you don't have that, uh, you can be the most talented team. I'd say the Washington Capitals were that team for a long time before they finally climbed the mountain. Uh, but it took them a long time to get there. And they had some similarities to the Oilers. They could be down big to lousy teams and come back all the time you see all these crazy gyrations with their group and uh, to me i always felt like it was kind of obvious um but they kept working at it and eventually they got it right they made some adjustments and they got their first Stanley cup in club history a couple of years ago
0: we're joined by brian Lawton from the nhl network number one pick 1983 nhl draft uh one of the top agents for a number of years with Octagon Hockey. That's where we're going to go next. Uh, Ongoing discussions between the National Hockey League and the NHLPA. Um, And it would be premature at this stage to suggest we're going to get back up and running, but we know the league is working on that very thing, trying to get back, you know, putting plans in place that if they can get the go-ahead from the health officials to play. One of the questions I have for you, Brian, as a former player agent as a former player uh, we have received some feedback here from some of the guys around the league concerned about family time concerned about being away from their families if we go to say one sort of play down spot per division it might be edmonton in the pacific toronto in the atlantic that sort of thing uh, it's legitimate isn't it it's a legitimate question to ask if you're basically s- stuck in a specific location for several weeks at a time away from your fam- family as the world tries to deal with the pandemic.
1: Yeah, it, it really is. It, it You know, some players have come out publicly, won't name any names and said it, and I think that's great. Um, I don't know if players would have said it back when I was playing in the 80s, even early 90s, but today's world is different. Um, players have more power. There's more consideration given to them. You deal with them differently than back then. You can't bury guys in the minors anymore uh, teams just don't have that type of power
0: uh, and
1: the world has just progressed it would be incredibly difficult at the end of the day um, for anybody particularly that has children or is expecting more children that's a massive sacrifice if you're a single guy uh sure i i, I get it it's not as big a deal but if you got a family it's not a 100% gimme, I'll tell you that. It's, it's a different time right now. Our One of the companies I own just opened up this week, and we had six people come back. We're doing a soft opening in Minnesota for this company. They have 45 employees. And at the end of the day, a couple of uh, the people that we invited to come back first, the leadership room, two of the people didn't want to come back. You have to respect that. That's just where we're at. I wasn't very happy about it. My wife runs that company. She was less happy about it. But the fact of the matter is that's just the way the world is now. And even though we know we need to get back as a company to work, uh, we also recognize that uh, everybody has to be on board with what you're doing.
0: We're joined right now by Brian Lawton. And, Brian, I mean, in the U.S., there's over a million confirmed cases, over uh, 60,000 deaths. How are you guys doing in the state of Minnesota right now?
1: State of Minnesota is doing fantastic, and that's why we're, you know, we're starting to progress back to normalcy here. At least, um, you know, there's things that are happening. You know, not everything, right? I haven't had a haircut in about it feels like three months. Can't go get a haircut anywhere here. It's uh, it's not possible right now. But businesses that are not public facing are starting to reopen here.
0: Uh, There you have it. Uh, Minnesota, by the way, actually has fewer cases. Now, I don't know what the testing's like. Uh, They have uh, 3,800 cases of uh, positive cases of COVID and 286 deaths. Just to put things in perspective, Alberta is uh, now over 4,500 cases. but just 80 deaths, and uh, Brian, as you know, because I've passed this along to you, Alberta right now is uh, the highest-tested province in, in Canada. Uh, so, I mean, that is, you know, credit to our public health officials for going down that, right? These are a very interesting times. Do you get a sense at all? I mean, look, you work for the NHL Network. Do you get a sense at all at kind of where the league's at at this stage? Uh,
1: there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes to try to figure out something that does with today's world which would be accepted one of the big stories in the united states right now is some of the government relief that was created for small businesses that was taken advantage of by bigger businesses people that are ruining their brand the nhl is very mindful of that type of circumstance happening Uh, i think they're going to continue to be cautious but i i really truly today is the first day I called Dave Tippett this morning just to check in with him. And I left him a message and I said, geez, you know what, Tip? I I feel like you'll be back to work soon. Sooner than I would have thought a week ago or two weeks ago or three Hmm. weeks ago. We haven't had that conversation yet, but I do feel that. Um, I was on the phone this morning with Tim Stutzla, one of the draft pick kids uh, living over in Germany. He has a chance to... Potentially be drafted as high as Leon Dreisaitl, or maybe even earlier than that. He's that good a player. Uh, he's training over in Europe in small groups in Germany. So things are starting to come back online, and it's, uh, it feels good. It feels good. Everybody's going to be cautious, but I hope we continue to move in that direction.
0: Yeah, we mentioned yesterday in Germany, and, and again, Germany is a country that's received a lot of international praise for You know Angela Merkel's handling of the situation there, and again Alberta testing at a higher rate than Germany. And uh, Alfonso Davies from Edmonton is in little small groups training at Bayern Munich, which is one of the you know the biggest club sizes you know in the world when it comes to uh, to to, uh, soccer. Uh, So you you mentioned uh, the draft, and this is I I just want to get your sense of this just to wrap up. Would it make sense, because I'm getting the sense that it really doesn't matter if there's, say, a 70% positive consensus from the managers on this. To me, it would make sense to do uh, an NFL, like, you know, we, we saw the NFL draft last week. I'm going to assume you saw part of it. It certainly worked. The numbers were skyrocketed over past years. Um, does it make sense for the NHL to go down the path of having a, you know, the draft June 5th, June 6th? something that might uh, precede the potential startup, again, of an NHL season?
1: Depends what your ultimate goal is. Does it make sense in terms of all the logistical nightmares? No, I do not believe that it does. Does it make sense in terms of raising awareness of the game? Yeah, I I think it does. I I really do. It's just the, the interest would be through the roof. Like we saw with the NFL, I did watch their draft. And, uh, you know, there's some challenges. I could be involved. I do the draft for NHL Network, so I would be involved in that process. Uh, As of right now, to be honest with you, I am literally going through the top ten players and doing an interview series with each kid. That's what I was doing with Tim Stutzla this morning. And uh, that will be used if and when we get to that time, which we will have eventually uh, as a prelude to that draft. So you we're a, preparing for it is what I'm trying to say in a nice it, way. Yeah. We're doing the work now, not knowing if that draft would be in June or it would be after a restart. But uh, we got to be prepared either way, and that's the way we're approaching it.
0: And one final one for you, Brian. And did, have you had a chance to see any of Last Dance so far, the documentary series on Michael Jordan and the 97-98 Bulls?
1: I have. It's, uh, it's tremendous. Yeah. <laughs> Tremendous. I I, I can't say enough about it. Uh, The timing is so perfect to bring that out because people are starved for sports content. Um, But boy, it was really well done. Brings you back to a time that uh, most of the people our age, Bob, are pretty familiar with, even in Canada. And it's added a lot of color to things that we didn't know. But a lot of interesting revelations hate uh players taking a Scotty Pippen not doing a surgery in the summer because he didn't want to ruin his summer. There's just so many twists and turns to that documentary. It's
0: been fascinating. The one thing that I really like about it is how raw it is. You know what? Like like the players and they're all retired and it's easier for the players not to worry about being PG thirteen and you know it's available on Netflix and so you can maybe use some of the words that George Carlin used to say you couldn't say on TV, but it's real. That's how people talk, right? It's real to me. And you mentioned the hate, like the disdain that Michael Jordan still has to this day for Isaiah Thomas. Frankly, I think that's awesome. <laughs> like, I love that nobody's BSing each other. I love that nobody's BSing each other in there. You know what I'm saying?
1: Well, we're, we're, we're not promoting poor language. But the fact of the matter is, it is very real. It it really is. You get that feeling, the rawness of it. It brings it to life. I've never heard Michael Jordan swear before. So to listen to how he thought in maybe a little bit more normal terms and language is is something that obviously, having been in the locker room for a number (laughs) of games in the NHL, I understand it, but... uh, it just for me. It's still fascinating. I've never been in an NBA locker room, so I'm happy to hear it's very similar. But uh, it really, really hits home when you sit down and and listen to this whole series. It's been incredible.
0: Brian, as always, we appreciate your time. We'll hook up next week. Thanks for the positive energy.
1: Looking forward to it, Bob. I think we're. Uh, I think we can maybe see some light at the end of the tunnel now.
0: There we go. That is Brian Lawton from the NHL Network, former GM Tampa Bay Lightning, ran Octagon Hockey. They've got Leon Dreisettle and Ryan Nugent Hopkins right now uh, from the Oilers. uh, And, of course, was the number one pick with Minnesota North Stars, 1983. They played the Oilers in the 83-84 playoffs. Edmonton swept them in four straight. Brian was... Our headliner for Touchback Safety and Touchback remains open for training, taking all necessary precautions to ensure the safety of their staff and their clients. So you can text us at any time on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Uh, here we go. This comes in, Bob, uh, at 7804960063. It's all about the money. Different topic if no hockey for a year. I'm an equipment operator, no work will i travel stay in camp away from home damn yes in other words he wants to be uh away or he wants to be working the other texter says if you don't want to be away from your family that's fine don't complain about escrow and your reduced share of revenue moving forward more thoughts on doug wait and curtis joseph fresh out of high school when the orders played 97 98 love doug wait man uh and poured more beer on other people in those playoff games than I drank, fresh out of high school. Uh, this text comes in on Curtis Joseph, first-class competitor and a role model for kids that have a tough. Yeah, his book was a, a tough read. James says, on Ashley Fine Floor's text line, Bob, dugweight was my favorite Oiler in the late 90s. I also remember Ernest's post-game comments one night. I just wasn't into it. Uh, and that started the precursor to him being moved. Again, you can text us at any time at 780-496-0063. Just heard Brian Lott, and he's getting a little bit more positive with things. It's never a bad situation. Do want to tell you, all season long, we got the orders Now injury report for our friends at James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. James H. Brown wants everybody out there to uh, stay safe and stay positive. But when accidents happen, remember, go to jameshbrown.com. Uh, J- Jason Kenny, the premier of the province, has a press conference at 1 o'clock. I believe it's an update on the Wood Buffalo situation with the flooding. We are going to go to that, uh, and then we'll pick up. It uh, and, and may run a little bit late, so we might get into David Staples before or after. But right now, off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell.